Good morning. Lower back is a little stiffer. Knees, a little more painful. Mind and body may be more still. Heart may be more tender. I have always found the trade-off well worth it. <laughs> so a, lot, a few of you, several of you, have, um, we've met, as Laura put it, in the little box. It's kind of a little box. Um, and you brought difficult things, sometimes feedback, sometimes disappointment, and um, sometimes disappointment with me. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for it because it's very frightening to do. And it is the only way real relationship can exist. Whatever it is that feels like it's far too terrifying to bring, it's a risk. We're all taking a risk. But at the time, if we're still, and we'll do this for a while, and this is not a condemnation, but um, being the good student will only get us so far. And it's not that far. <laughs> Bringing our good selves to everybody. And it doesn't mean we smack each other around with our you know, trauma and pain, but at some point there has to be a relinquishing of the treasured ideas of who we are so that we can actually meet for the first time. Up until then we're we're meeting, and we're dancing, and we're stepping on each other's toes, and we're doing what we do, and we're supporting each other. But then there's the moment when you, say, you can just, I'm done. I'm done with, this is who I want you to think I am. And then there is a tremendous vulnerability and that vulnerability to our separate selves feels extremely risky, and it is. And in some situations, too risky to take on. But in this one, maybe okay. But to the mind of liberation, that vulnerability is the open door to Buddha fields. That is the gateway. There is no other gateway. There is no intellectual figuring it out. 
There's no safe passage. So I feel a great deal of gratitude for all of your courage and for supporting me in being able to meet for real. It is a rare, rare occurrence. And when it happens, we really need to recognize it. Because most of the time, it's, how are you? Fine. <laughs> there is going to be another um, opportunity for this in a couple of hours. Totally terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> The ceremony we're about to do to, to switch religions was my crucible for years. Um, which is Shosan ceremony. So the Shosan ceremony is this thing we do at the end of Sashin's, which we rarely get to do because people are always getting ordained. And so there's always these ordinations. You don't get to do Shosan ceremonies very much. Um, so the Shosan ceremony is the person who is the teacher sits in a chair, usually over there, and then people come up and ask questions. And um, I hated this ceremony. I just hated it. So I feel for every one of you, I hated it. <laughs> I completely hated it. And I would go up, and every time I would go up, I would shake Laura remembers this really well. I would shake so badly I could not think. And it became my ins insistence that I was going to do this over and over and over again until I understood what was happening. Every question was about fear. Just another one about fear, another one about fear. It got so boring. <laughs> and. Um, and I think I've told this story before. At one time, my first teacher said, I asked her what to do with fear, and she said, feel it so thoroughly that you feel it in your teeth. And that is what I did. I felt it so thoroughly that I could feel it in my teeth. I could feel it in my fingertips. I could feel it in every single cell of my body. I knew where fear was all the time. And I kept going up there. I don't know why. I know why, actually. I was done. I was just done. I was so done with suffering. I was done, 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 done. I also had lots of delusions about enlightenment and all that stuff, too. But the thing that was really driving it was I was done. And so what happens in this ceremony is you come up and you ask a question. And that question is um, meant to be a somewhat pithy, we hope. Um, <laughs> sometimes it takes a lot to express ourselves, but we try to keep it short. Um, authentic expression in that moment. 
everyone will think about their question anyway. But if you cannot, and you can let it rise up right there and then, great. But I, the question that I would drop into all of us right now is what is the most important thing to me right now? What is the most important thing to me coming out of five days of silence? And we will hear that from each other. And whatever happens is perfect. Whatever is brought is perfect. And right now, there's at least five or six people who are going, this really sucks. Why am I having to do this? No one told me this was going to happen. Bring that to. I was joking with Laura that we don't really put up. You might have noticed, we don't put a super high value on comfort. <laughs> um, it's not in the top 10 Zen characteristics. <laughs> Maybe it's nine, but I don't even think it's that. <laughs> because I think it's really, um, I think the tradition is really clear that care and comfort have to be teased apart. Care for, and sometimes care is comfort. They're not mutually exclusive, but comfort in our mind usually is the thing that wins. That's what we go for. Maybe we don't. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a deny yourself comfort person. That exists too. Um, but to care for the process of awakening intimately, really to care for it, which means sometimes someone comes up to us and says, please do this, and everything in me says no. And then I get to look at that and take care of that, and I turn toward this thing I say no to, and I say yes. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe I say yes to everything. And at this moment, I need to say no. But whatever the decision is, it's less about comfort and more about the care of one's own awakening and liberation and others. So whatever question comes, it will be caring for your liberation. And whether you think it is or not, whatever story we tell ourselves about the question, it's caring for everyone else's liberation, too. I promise you, more than you can possibly imagine. So this um, expression, this authenticity, we sometimes call natural mind or naturalness in Zen. Um, it becomes more and more and more and more apparent as we sit together. Something begins to shift. We start to interact with ourselves and other people in ways that we don't normally. The covering loosens. And then we have to start, we have to go back into the world. And the world maybe isn't as the world, whatever the world is. In this case, our jobs. And the world is often not so um, kind. 
kind to our authentic expression or our naturalness. And so we'll say, we say this all the time, take care of yourself when you go back out because you're more raw than you think you are. Because you're around a bunch of other raw people, so you can't even tell. <laughs> and then you walk out and pff, there it is. So this is the trick. How do we revere the vulnerability that is the gateway to Buddha fields? when we are in places that do not revere it at all. Not only do not revere it, don't have time for it, see it as weakness, it's not efficient enough, whatever. How do we hold reverence for it? We just went through a, an, a tremendous ceremony of raising this up together. This is not easy. I mean, one way is to stay, is to keep together ourselves. We come back, we sit together, week after week, remind each other of each other. It's important to remind each other of each other. That there's actually a community of people willing to do this together. We think we're coming here for zazen, but <clears throat> in many ways we're coming here to remind each other of each other. And so then I can carry all of you as me into that world that may not be quite so receptive. So we come here. How does this, um, how does this, you know, there's these forms and ceremonies and everything we do together. I wanna, I'm going to read something Suzuki Roshi said about naturalness. You've heard something like this before. <laughs> it is a big mistake to think that the best way to express yourself is to do whatever you want, acting however you please. This is not expressing yourself. When you have many possible ways of expressing yourself, you are not sure what to do. So you will behave rather superficially. If you know what to do exactly, and you do it completely, you can express yourself fully. That is why we follow forms. You may think that you cannot express yourself within a particular form, but when we are all practicing together, strong people will express themselves in a strong way, and kind people will express themselves kindly. This is what we all do together. We practice the forms to express ourselves fully. This, thing, this is very interesting to me, because I think about what happens over time with the forms. With a, take a bow. In fact, um, Yoko and I were just talking about bowing. And when you go up, and how deep a bow is, right? So normally a, a gasho bow is something like this. And we go up to the altar, and that's what we do. If we bow every, any way we want, right, which that's fine, it does something really interesting to bowing, which is it has less meaning. Because if everybody bows like this, then when I bow completely, it is felt. There is a language. 
we have a way of respecting each other that is deep. If there is a regular bow, then there is a deep bow. If everybody's bowing whatever, there's no such thing as a deep bow. There's no such thing as showing respect in that way. And if there's a regular bow and a deep bow, then there's a prostration. And so we bow, and then we do a deep standing bow to those who have died, and we do a full prostration to the ancestors. When we take on these forms, when we're kind of running around, and I'm with this kind of person, and then I'm talking to this person, I'm talk- I mean, watch, our, watch what we do, how we manage our ways of being with so many people. And do we, do we sink in to who we are? in those exchanges. Maybe we do. But what I love about this practice is when we do something over and over and over in the way that we do together, we have the opportunity to sink in. Really sink in and be completely who we are. I don't have to navigate what you're going to do and I'm going to do. We know what to do. If I bow to Ella, Ella bows to me. If Ella bows to me, I bow to Ella. That's just, that is what we do. There is no person undeserving of a bow. And so if that's the case, then I can sink completely into who I am without having to manage all the frayed threads of not understanding how to be together. So that may seem in one way to be controlled. But once we start to taste sinking into who we are, once there is a container and a place to really manifest as who we are, we forget that less and less and less. We can go out into places where everybody's running around and not taking the time to sink in, and we can sink in. So this coming in to, um, you know, we talk a lot about the schedule in Sashin. The schedule is our absolute best friend in this way. Because I don't have to think about a thing. All I have to do is be present. That's it. All I have to do is sink into who I am and somebody tells me to do something usually Laura or my Jisha <laughs> tells me to do something, and I go do that. And for all of you, you know the next thing you're going to do, and you know the next thing you're going to do, and you know the next thing you're going to do. So you actually don't have to think about it. So there's this big expanse that allows us to simply be who we are. This way to be authentic in the schedule. So if... Um, Back to what we bring to practice discussion and to each other and to this practice are whole histories. Huge, immense, powerful, undermining histories that tell us why we cannot be that. Every single moment. And they are still alive. It's not like they happened and now they're done. So we come together in this community and we do this, and we all, you all know this. 
I just want to remind us. I just want to remind us of the, the rareness of um, coming together and creating opportunities to simply be. To simply be, and in that being, all of the things that interrupt it are welcome to rise up and express themselves. And then we hold those things with love. We hold all of those things that come up and say, I don't, I don't want you, what are you doing? It's completely foolish to be this open. It's completely foolish, dangerous, terrifying to do this. So that puts, as we've talked about before, that puts a responsibility on us as a community to be very aware of that. To be very aware that we are all bringing in adaptations. And they are just simply adaptations. Adaptations that kept us safe and protected and um, wise. And now we're kind of overusing them. And they are also keeping us in a little box. But coming out of that box has to be held with both hands all the time. So we have to make this, this, this uh, to, to roll back to some of the other things, we have to make this, these forms help us distinguish. Zen helps us distinguish. And this is really the crux of us being open and raw in the world. Distinguish between care and comfort, humility and humiliation, service and servility. All of these ways that, that, we, um, that we have, that these vulnerable, loving expressions have been confused with, other, with expressions of violence. And to hold that together so that we can um, learn to open beyond them into love for each other, I'm going to end this will be very simple, but I'm going to end with the closing paragraph of Bell Hooks' The Will to Change. I'm going to make it gender neutral because this is a book specifically. The ending paragraph is more about men, but I think, it's, um, I think it can be relevant. If you have not read The Will to Change by Bell Hooks, you should read this book. The work of relational recovery, of reconnection, of forming intimacy and making community can never be done alone. In a world we, where we are daily losing our way, we must create guides, signposts, new paths. A culture of healing that empowers us to change is in the making. I love her hopefulness. I agree. A culture of healing that empowers us to change is in the making. Healing does not take place in isolation. Those who love and those who long to love know this. We need to stand by each other with open hearts and open arms. We need to stand ready to hold one another, 
offering a love that can shelter our wounded spirits as we seek to find our way home, as we exercise our will to change. I don't know that anything else needs to be said. Thank you for um, your courage. Thank you for your tremendous courage in doing this together. And um, do please take care of yourself. And as the mind begins to grab onto this idea of asking a question, it's okay. It's just, it's really completely okay. Just ask something. And we'll have a, we'll have a little discussion, or it'll be boom, boom. We'll see what happens. <laughs> sometimes it's boom, boom, and sometimes it takes, it takes a little time. And, um, and each will build on the one before, and there will be a symphony of dialogue after a symphony of silence. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.